welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies, mindset matters, and how we live out our life's purpose inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. Good morning, everyone. This is Kimberly Rice coming to you for another episode of Changemakers Podcast. Um, Our episode today is with internationally known and well-regarded J.D. Gershbein, founder and owner of Alish Communications, who's going to share with us an extraordinary time of learning and laughing, and it's just going to be wonderful. Um, so thank you for tuning in for another podcast on Changemakers Podcast, and let's just get right into it. So welcome this morning, JD. Hey, good to be here, and and really nice to be considered a change maker at this point in my career. Oh gosh, haven't we all worked so hard for that? <laughs> I'm making change. I think everybody's making change. You're making change, aren't you? Oh, I make change every day, every oh. single day. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about that because change making, like it or not, um, sometimes is thrust upon us, uh, like so many of us in the States and, and really all around the world, um, change has been thrust upon us with the um, horrific uh, COVID pandemic. Um, but we're going to talk about some positive change in a moment. What I'd like to do first, JD, is for you to share with our listeners a bit about yourself and a few highlights of your personal journey and most importantly, what makes your heart sing? It is a journey, isn't it, Kimberly? Everything's I, a journey. Never I, a destination. I've bought into the whole journey speak piece because in the early going, when I was developing a business, I don't really think anybody really perceived that they were on a journey. They, we, were, we were trying to do what was right. We, as a young father, I was trying to provide for two young children, moving them through schools, uh, have a life in the, in, in the suburbs of a major metropolitan area. I didn't really think of the journey. And now since I discovered LinkedIn in 2006 and truly became one of the first LinkedIn specialists in the world, uh, I've had time to reflect on that journey, and it truly has been. It's been a path, a nonlinear one at that, but uh, I've stayed true to my core values throughout, and I feel I've developed a, a persona and an outlook and a mindset that really propels me in what has become a very difficult time in human history. Uh, we tape this at the time of a global pandemic, and gosh, who would have thought that we would have been the generation that has to deal with this? But deal with it we must and 
you can either buckle under the pressure and cower in a corner or you can look for the opportunities within what we've been given and I choose to look for the opportunities and that does require some improvisation, some innovation and making changes. Uh, what makes my heart sing, you know, I'm one of those folks, I'm in the value creator category, so I've developed a platform. I'm the architect of my platform, and it's caused me to be a little self-absorbed professionally in that I do work with clients. I help them get to the next level on a, on a website for social networking that demonstrates great results when they work it. Uh, but for me, it's about creating content that passes my stringent uh, standards and gets into the mainstream. Uh, I'm a content creator, written, visual, audio, and uh, it pleases me when I put something really special out there in the universe. And, I, and if people see it, that's great. They'll come back to me with it. But if, if they don't, well, then I have to keep trying until it gets within their, their optical field. That's interesting. There's a, there's a lot to, a lot of meat to dig in there that, that was piquing my hearing. I, one of the questions that I have come to know about you and I want to, I want to learn more is your improv background mm -hmm. and what you're doing with that, what that means to you. Please share with us. Well, back in the 1980s, I took some classes at the Second City, the famed Second City here in Chicago. I've always been a student of humor and comedy, and uh, it's appealed to me on all its various levels. And at the time, it was, it was cool to say that you did that. Uh, the Second City as a, as a business has, um, has brought its, its model and its platform to companies and improv and the uh, skills of applied improvisation have become very important to businesses, primarily sales cultures. And I just feel, Kimberly, as I've been saying all along, I've, I've improvised my entire career, uh, if not my life. And right now, with all that's being thrown at us, we have to improvise. It's improvise or die at this point. And I just think that the, the principles of what I've learned as a performing artist and the ability to be present in the moment with a conversation partner or within a group or as a professional speaker, uh, it's important to be able to speak extemporaneously, wing it, and be quick on your feet. Uh, I went back to the Second City in, in 2016 to kind of up-level my solo performance as a speaker, wound up uh, re-matriculating in classes again and seeing performances and kind of networking with the comedy community. And I really have a, a feel now for what it takes to improvise my way through situations, uh, to do so with a smile on my face, uh, to try to provoke a smile on the faces of others, and, and to just put myself out there in a way that I haven't done so before, expanding the comfort zone pretty much every day with every conversation I'm in. So I think the skills of applied improv, which are kind of breaking out a little bit into the mainstream because so many folks uh, have taken improvisational classes, it's an essential skill for survival, especially when we're confined to the virtual world. Mm. So that, yeah, I agree completely. Um, I, <clears throat> my heart feels for those um, who have been confined to the work at home mandate across at least I'll say the states and I know around the world, um, and that's not what they're used to, and that's way out of their comfort zone. Um, in fact, probably maybe not even two weeks into the work from um, home mandate here in New Jersey, 
um, I developed a Zoom quick start guide because many of our clients um, in the professional services spaces, accounting, legal, engineering, et cetera, you know, they don't know anything other than going to their office and having their assistant sit outside of their office and help that help them with everything, even, you know, compute like basic, basic computer um, word processing issues. And I, I was only um, envisioning how when you're told to work from home that you're plunked out of your office and sent home with a laptop with no assistant right outside your door. Um, and so I ran into very quickly on in, in a number of associations that I'm a part of, uh, was seeing tremendous stress and overwhelm and anxiety and all kinds of mental health concerns because these highly intelligent, I mean, we all have our unique brilliance, but otherwise highly productive um, leaders becoming almost impotent because they could not function in this new environment because it was so completely foreign to them and they did not have the skill set um, to adapt. And so, you know, I literally put, to, you know, developed this quick start guide to, to people who had, been, had not ever even heard the word Zoom before. <laughs> Um, and just as a tool to help them, you know, to help them get on. But what would you say, I mean, of all the skills that you've learned through improv, um, and it, it is fascinating, I've been, a, uh, I've been an uh, observer of improv um, many times um, in my travels, and have seen how some of that has been integrated into, let's say, law firms that I've worked with over the years. What would you say are the first, um, the top couple of skill sets that are particularly um, imperative for the times that we're living in now? The first overarching goal is to embrace exquisite serendipity. Mm. Embrace the exquisite serendipity of it all. I'm improvising this. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to say until it actually leaves my brain, passes through my oropharynx, and comes out of my mouth. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm, I'm best in front of audiences where I, I, I have kind of like this, this range, I know where I need to go, and I know what my talking points are, and I know my content so well, and the key is to sound extemporaneous yet not canned. And I think that's an approach we need to bring to our, our Zoom conversations. And uh, we're starting to hear about Zoom fatigue or GJD. I don't know if I, can, I have another Zoom call in me. I'm Zoomed out. And I understand it. And I understand the fatigue factors that play in with the human brain. And to be on top of your game and to be sharp as an improviser, you have to have that brain flow. The brain produces a tremendous amount of energy. It needs a tremendous amount of fuel. And if we don't eat right, if we don't sleep right, if we bring a, 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 a low-key, steady-state dynamic to what we're doing, it's going to show in our body language and people aren't going to be engaged with us. So the key is, in improv, you have to just keep fighting. You have to be good for your conversation partner. You have to give your conversation partner the opportunity to play off you and you off him or her. So everything becomes kind of fluid. And that's what I try to do in my speaking in my Zoom calls, uh, in my writing. I just try to be fluid. Everything comes from uh, an internal uh, outflow into the external world, and we can control that. But yeah. in improv, sometimes you don't 
know what's coming out until you actually create it on the spot. So embrace the exquisite serendipity of it all. That's the overarching goal. And the second is to stay on topic. I mean, for gosh sake, uh, meandering around verbally uh, is distracting. It's annoying to, to some folks. You have to have some kind of focused talk track and move people down the lane you want them to go down. And uh, for sellers and for people in business, we're trying to convert our time on Zoom into paid business or referral opportunities or, uh, or, or something on the other side that holds promise. So we have to sell ourselves and showmanship is necessary. Salesmanship is showmanship. You have to be on. You have to be good and you have to monitor that good. So I think improv, applied improv teaches us to really harness our nervous system and be the person we want to be on these calls. I'm, as I look at you on Zoom, I've got a lot of stimuli that I'm processing. I've got a, a lot of thoughts to organize and ideally what comes out is going to have clarity for the receiver. So I'm hoping that our people who are interested in listening to our conversations follow it and that and that it does pave the way for them in 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 some manner and and they can build on it absolutely that's fascinating I, there's so many lessons <clears throat> i just um you know i'm always so very gratified uh, in knowing folks like yourself jd because we're i can tell we're both life learners yes um, and which i just don't i can't even imagine a world where i wasn't a life learner um, particularly given all of our life and times now, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when I think about life pre-internet, I mean, it wasn't that just a pivot point in all of how we um, experienced this physical plane, um, what we call life and earth. Um, and so, you know, then, then the social media and those, um, and then it just keeps on getting faster and faster with, into the digital world where we all now we're reduced to little boxes. Um, in a virtual world, which uh, honestly, part, you know, there's, uh, there's advantages and disadvantages um, to operating in a virtual world. One is scope. As I shared with you a few moments ago, I just had a colleague, I just had a call with a colleague in Belgium. Um, and so our world has gotten very, very small compared uh, uh, as a result of our um, internet and the digital access that we have such that and I'm going to pivot right to social media and LinkedIn um, you call yourself and you have branded yourself as a personal brand strategist on LinkedIn um, share with us more about that work that you do in that space and how what is some of the value or solutions that you bring to the, the folks that you work with well to go back to the way you framed the question at the outset as a lifelong learner I don't self-declare as an expert Okay. Or a thought leader, or a maven, or a Sherpa. I, I, don't, I don't dig these terms. Guru. Uh, if people want to apply those terms to others, that's one thing. But I'm, I am a lifelong learner. I learn as much from my clients and my audiences these days as, as I hope they would learn from me. So at, at several different stages of my career, I've reinvented myself as well. Look, I have a personal brand playbook. I have to, if I'm gonna talk about this kind of thing. And if I am gonna self-declare as a personal brand strategist, I, I better have the elements, the foundational elements of a personal brand. And I do, 
I've, I've learned this through the years and, and I take the feedback that is given me and I kind of loop this into my content and my, my proprietary brand information. But I'm a personal brand strategist. What that means is I help folks gain clarity on their narrative by fleshing out their various plot points and kind of weaving them into a compelling presentation. And it happens to be on a site like LinkedIn, which has evolved to become the de facto first point of reference on business professionals. So if they hear of you, if they see you, and nowadays if they catch wind of you on a Zoom meeting, where are they going first, Kimberly? LinkedIn. Of course, easy answer. They're going to your LinkedIn profile. It has become your prized digital asset in the business universe and why people, why more people aren't tending to it and updating it and curating this exhibit on themselves for quick uptake and the best possible consumption is beyond me, but it presents me with a career. And I'm working with more people right now who are taking time because this global pandemic thing has forced us to lean into the online world and reassess and recalibrate ourselves. So the conversations I'm having with people right now are truly around their professional value and how they reconcile it. And as a personal brand strategist, my role in the process is to help them think through this, to provide thought partnership for them. If not now, when, right? There's no time like the present. And Honestly, the necessity I mean, I've heard is the mother of invention. I've heard that. I've heard this, yes, I've heard this. Um, it's interesting because I, when I was working inside law, a law firm uh, in 2006, eight, um, I had not heard of LinkedIn. It was the chief, off, um, chief financial officer of the law firm that I was with at the time who encouraged me to check it out, which I did, and I did. Uh, so I um, hopped on and it, uh, in 2008 and saw immediately the power, um, the reach, um, and the opportunity um, given that I've been in business growth strategy and marketing my entire career, um, one of the things that is it, what I find fascinating um, is the tremendous opportunity for each and every one of us to shape the narrative on ourselves and how we want to present to the world, you know, our strengths and whether it's business offerings or whatever it is, however we want to present ourselves to the world and that it's there, yet, uh, statistically, um, so many people do not. Um, so many professionals do not. Storytelling is the new marketing, is it not? It is, absolutely. And people love stories, and stories sell, and people relate to stories. And, you know, so I've taught quite a bit on leveraging LinkedIn for business development. Um, I've spoken with folks like yourself, um, who are, I will call you an evangelist, um, uh, a LinkedIn evangelist, because you recognize the tremendous power, uh, the transformative power that the words on that profile and that account can have. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I mean, I just don't understand, well, part of what I hear from what I hear and have heard is that people want to keep a low profile. They don't want, you know, especially when you come across profiles who have no headshots or no profile images. To me, that speaks volumes about that person, that they're unwilling to, quote, be out there, to be seen. Um, I won't say it's mostly women. It could be. That's been what I've seen because my, my 
Um, my ideal clients are women professionals. So those are the, the profiles that I'm looking at the most um, and have built up my LinkedIn community with those. But what would you say for folks, you know, if, if, you, if you could tell our listeners anything about the power of LinkedIn and why as a business professional, you must have a presence, if not a regular um, activity on this platform, what would your response be? This is well documented in my body of literature. It was also the subject of my, my TED talk. And truly, it, it, it becomes what we make it mm -hmm. at this stage of the game. It, it's not about me coming into a company anymore and telling the company how they should use the platform. It's not about me confronting leadership and saying, why have you eschewed a presence on LinkedIn for so long? As leaders, you are the stewards of the company's story. You should be presented on LinkedIn, especially if it's a goal to upvalue the company and maybe be involved in a merger or acquisition uh, or navigating a crisis or whatever the case may be, leadership is going to be viewed on LinkedIn. What is the company doing for content? I mean, there's so many factors that have come into play uh, really since the, the, the site was spawned that it's tough to track and it's even tougher to teach. So right now, one of the overarching things I will talk about in any engagement is to make this thing your own. Make it your own because there's, there, there's nobody that's going to tell you what's right for you. And by you, I mean, dear listener, right. uh, everybody's got to find their own way online. And for so many years, people just couldn't see themselves as existing in the online world. The concept of personal branding was alien to them. They, they knew they had to be on this site. They knew they had to do something with the profile. They knew they had to build this thing called a network. But beyond that, nothing was converting. They, they didn't do what it, it took to achieve some kind of transformational effect. The difference between me, perhaps the difference between you as well, Kimberly, is that I, I study the social science around this stuff and I don't look at it as a bunch of people just clamoring for attention. I look at it as the professional outreach of people who are trying to generate conversations to sustain a dream, to realize a goal, to get a job, to put new clients in their book of business. That's what we're all trying to do. And I support that. And my practice evolved from just teaching people about the basic navigation of a site, which, which we know. I mean, we're, we're good cognitive mappers. We know our way around these websites. But now to apply the psychology and the neuroscience behind it and the decision-making and the critical thinking that's necessary to convert what you see into usable information that can lead to a sale or a job offer. The two great outcomes of all of the work. Yes. yes. So what would you say to those folks who, you know, they, they've been convinced, they're sold, they have a profile, um, they may even have a message. Um, and yet um, with regular consistent posting or they're dipping their toe in it, but they're not getting much engagement or they don't feel like they're getting much back um you know because because so, it's, it's it's a conversation right i mean we're we you know you a person has a linkedin profile they do the work they they populate that thing they make it their own they they create their own voice but they're not receiving the dialogue in exchange what would you say to something to, like that they're not following through all the way and and i don't i'm one of those 
strategists, advisors that I, I don't harp on the mistakes or the oversights that people make. I, I truly don't. I, I'm not out there saying, I never use the word should. Yeah, no. You should. You should. You shouldn't do anything that you don't want to or don't right. feel is right for you. Right. But again, where do we grow? We grow right. and we leave the comfort zone. Exactly right. Way to complete the sentence. So, people are just too comfortable on LinkedIn. So they're not realizing any gain because they're they're ensconced in their comfort zone. So when they take the step out, when they embolden themselves, when they, when they find that keyboard courage and type out that message that they have delayed for a couple of days typing, when they approach someone respectfully, when they, when they truly look at the names of the people who inhabit their professional network and it kind of convince themselves that these are people worth reaching out to at this point, just to, just to get a 20 minute Zoom call on the calendar. I mean, this is how LinkedIn converts. Checks are not going to tumble out from the sky. The ideal dream gig isn't going to just make itself apparent. You've got to go tunnel through it and work for it. It's like the old days in prospecting back uh, you know, for the gold rushers in California. They would, they would put their, their sifting pens oh, yes, into, yes. Into, the, into the muck, and they would sift and sift and sift and shift and sift and sift. Nothing. They'd do it again. Shift and sift and sift and sift. Nothing. And then finally, finally, maybe at the end of the day, they would shift and they would sift and they would pull out one little nugget of gold. And in the LinkedIn world, in the business world, in pretty much everything, that's all it takes is the one nugget of gold. And that's enough to move you past all the noise and all the junk and all the BS that's out there. And I'm the first to say that there's, there's a lot of noise out there and, and we're in the attention economy. It takes a lot a lot to get noticed. It does. Attention economy, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the golden nuggets. Yes. Yeah, the golden nuggets, uh, which brings me to uh, one of my questions and that is around change making. You know, think about what we we're just speaking about and, and how that relates to change making. Um, to me now and what I've seen in, you know, just in the last five months or so, and this has been my path for decades, is carving a new way, bla blazing new trails, making positive change wherever I show up and where I have the good fortune to be. Um, but, but share with us a little bit about what change making looks like in your world uh, and in the, in the how you spend your hours. I believe change making is a self-fulfilling prophecy, Kimberly. If, if you say that you're a change maker, if you put that out there to the world, you better darn well show them at this point. And, and anyone who's ever stated on a resume or a profile that they are change agents, that they are change managers, that they help people increase change uh, competencies, uh, if they're trailblazers, uh, gone where, where nobody has gone before, that's that's left to everyone else to make that uh, acknowledgement. You've got to just go out there and live it. It's very close, very closely tied to personal branding. Uh, the, the change maker brand, the change agent brand. It's, these are adaptive souls. These are people who are in the, in the business of showing others how to do it. What does change making involve? What does adapting to change involve? Well, we're, we're still finding out. Everybody right now is a change agent in their own lives. Uh, those who do it in full view of the business community, uh, the speakers, the, the authors, the consultants, the coaches, the professional service providers, 
we're out to move the needle for our people right now. It, it, if the needle gets moved and you hear that the needle got moved, you know you're making change. And hopefully that change is positive. Uh, I go out there with the idea of doing things differently. So it is a blue ocean mentality. I, I embrace the concept of salmoning. I'm the salmon that's just swimming the other way that other people are going. I'm a bit of a maverick marketer. I just do things differently and I don't want to be clustered in a commodified field. My standing is I want to be known and my clients want to be known. Well, it's one thing to say that you want to be known. It's quite another to take the steps to do it. Absolutely. And and I'm curious, that leads me to the next question. And that is from your unique point of view, um, because this is fast. Do I have a unique point of view? You absolutely do. I mean, right. you're very Just making bold. sure. Just you're make very it. bold. You're, I, I hear your courage, uh, which courage comes from a strong sense of self. Um, that so you're standing solid in your self worth. Something that is, in my observation, is not as hard for men as for women. But I don't want to genderize it because uh, I work a lot with women who have a diff have very great challenges. A standing solid in their own self-worth and, and, and so it's hard for them to summon the courage to make positive change and that's something that you know this is not about me but that's what I try to do in my work in my world of, of change making but from your unique perspective what do you think are some steps that listeners can focus on to show up more boldly to develop a winning game plan in their own lives and businesses convince themselves of their own self-worth and and once you do that once you're convinced yeah. and and you believe in with with supreme conviction in the strength of your solutions mm -hmm. or the strength of your advice or the your ability to architect insights for people and you put yourself out there in a way where you're taken seriously you 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 assert yourself, you're asserting force on the system. That's, that's really what creates the change. A lot of talk these days about imposter syndrome and mm -hmm. people don't think they measure up. They're not good enough. That person's better. Uh, my ideas just aren't cutting it, that kind of thing. That's defeatist thinking. It's not gonna get you very far. And I, right now, you must convince yourself that you're as good as anyone else. Don't pay attention to anyone else. I mean, right. my gosh, social media for all of its greatness and abundance, it does have a tendency to dehumanize us as well and alienate us. So really applying yourself to the visual medium, you're gonna be out there, you're, you're broadcasting, you're yeah. having conversations, step up, show up well, follow-up. It's, it's not that hard. It, you, you're engineered for this. This is what we do as humans, and this is what we do in times of crisis. You know, that's, that's excellent advice. It brings up two points for me, and that is when we have the sense, the solid self sense of self-worth and self-esteem, that begets the courage that begets the ability or the willingness to quote be out there um, which also begets not caring what others think about us if we're solid in ourselves and we stand in a very integrous place um, then the the opinions and thoughts of others become irrelevant um, it hurts my heart so much to see so many people and i have to again say women because i work with women professionals primarily 
um, that despite all their degrees and their accomplishments, that they cower back and hold back. Um, and it's not easy for them. It's not easy for them to stand up and be heard. And that's part of what my programs are about is to help illuminate um, their perfection where they are right now. Um, so it's interesting to me um, that, you know, now that we're in a, such a visual world, more than ever in the history of womankind, you know, and this is how we're forced to, um, you know, do business and communicate because we're so limited in our freedom of location, uh, given the pandemic, um, it, it really, we have to dig deep. I guess that's the message. For some of us, that is not, it doesn't come easy to, that we have to really dig deep and do that internal work. Um, so we can feel solid in our self-worth and self-esteem and summon that courage. Um, so I, I'm going to pivot on that point, JD. And, you know, I, I hear the passion and the conviction in your voice and in this conversation, and I absolutely love it. I love this positive energy. Um, the world needs so much more of it. I attempt to bring it and step into that place on a daily basis. But I would love to know in all of that, and I think you and I are of an, a certain age where we've got a little bit of life under our belts. We have done certain things in earlier lives and then we've done in our earlier lives and, and other things. And it's been this journey as we circle back around our earlier conversation. But where you are now and the work that you're doing now and the service to others that you're doing now, what is your why? You mean the, in the classic Simon Sinek mm -hmm. version of the why? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm always exploring the why on a daily basis. What is it that drives me out of bed in the morning, gets me to the, the laptop, gets me caffeinated to move through my day uh, with, with being a constant. I, I'm, if anything, I'm a constant. And the, the version of me that shows up anywhere is gonna be the version that people expect and, and the version that I'm giving them. I, I, don't, I don't vary it up. Uh, my, my why is obviously the same motivations that drive other people. I, I, I don't contrive a mission statement. My mission statement is to help as many people as I can while I'm on planet Earth. I, that's the overarching piece. Uh, I'm just using LinkedIn as a medium to do it right now. Uh, but when it comes to my world outside of business, uh, my family life, um, I've, I've raised two uh, well-adjusted, independent young ladies who, uh, who are the pride and joy of my life. And I'm, I'm very much attuned to the work that you're doing in the women's empowerment space. So all I want for my daughters is to, is to grow up in a world where they can feel great about themselves and make as much as their male counterparts. So I'm, I'm all about that. But what really drives me at this stage is my, my quest for knowledge. I'm, I, I'm a knowledge guy and I'm looking, I'm just looking to keep impressing myself. Yeah. And it's not an ego thing. It really isn't. Because if I impress myself, that means I'm doing good work and I'm inspiring others to impress themselves. Because in the end, anybody that's out there writing a book, building a platform, uh, trying to develop a speaking business, and it's going to be very tough right now until we get a vaccine. But anybody that's putting themselves out there as the product, who are, who are basically betting on themselves to win, I'm in the same boat with you. And I'm betting on myself to win. And that's what drives me because I'm the product. I can't let down. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we must stay 
um, in total integrity with ourselves first. Mm -hmm. um, I think that <clears throat> so many of important life and business um, are not taught. Um, and um, so we're very fortunate to have folks like yourself to join us and to just share a little glimpse into your world and how you navigate this path um, so eloquently um, and our, our example for all of us. So I want to thank you for joining us. Um, but before we go, I wanted to ask, is there any additional information or anything that you would like to share with us that we haven't already touched upon this morning that, that speaks to your heart? Well, we are taping this five months into a global pandemic. And my gosh, who would have expected all of this crap? And on the one hand, I, I'm, I'm glad for it because it, it's really realigned my perspective. I've met more people uh, in the early stages of this pandemic than I did in, say, two years of speaking across North America and in front of full conference rooms at companies. So for me, I'm, I, I'm very grateful to the fact that I've met so many folks in, in various areas of value creation. Um, and something to know about me is, is I'm living in the fishbowl now. So my, if we were showing the video on this, I'm in my subterranean home office. Uh, I'm in a nice button down shirt. I'm usually a suit and tie guy. I'm a very dapper individual as, as folks will tell you. Uh, haven't worn a tie in, uh, since March 10th of 2020. Uh, but I'm exposing people to my world. I'm humanizing myself a lot more. I'm coming into focus with my story. Um, something that we haven't really covered. Hey, man, I'm just, I'm glad baseball is back and, and, and professional sports is trying. Uh, I'm grateful for streaming. I'm grateful for high definition television. I'm grateful for uh, walks with my dog and the ability to just look at nature every day now in a, in a different way and, and think about the human condition in a manner that I, I would have never thought of before and that people are people are out there they're they have dreams that are as real as mine they have goals for their families they want to do what's right in the world and i'm i'm attracted to that kind of individual i, I i've eliminated most if not all of the toxicity in my life and i'm continuing to do that i, I just have no room in my life for negative stuff it is a choice isn't it mm-hmm it is a choice. I mean, I think that this um, I, early on in the pandemic, I too, um, re, I think it's a great time. What I what I call the power of the pause. So it's been, it's been an awesome time to reassess and evaluate. Um, you know, what type of business, what kind of person, what kind of life do we want to have? Who do we want in our lives? Who adds to or subtracts from our energy vibration? You know, everything on this planet is an energy vibration, and uh, we make that choice. Sometimes <clears throat> I empathize with those folks who live with people who are not on a, a, a solid, positive energy vibration. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have that in my life. I, I, I don't have that in my life uh, as far as in my home, I should say. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I talk to a lot of clients and in, in, in groups like the in groups on Zoom of what if this pandemic is the greatest thing that's ever happened, caveat, provided we survive. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, the, the learning is here. Mm -hmm. There are many, many lessons if 
we pay attention and if we turn our focus to learning. So I'm right there with you, brother. I, and uh, we have to improvise our way through this thing. Yes, every day. So we have to remain adaptable and fluid. Um, so thank you, JD. I, wanna, I want to offer our listeners, I'm sure that our, our listeners on Spotify and Apple and everywhere we find um, this podcast on the various platforms, I wanna give our listeners an opportunity to connect with you individually. Um, so please share with us. I know you are out there in a very big way. I love following you and, and your very thought-provoking uh, content, that visual as well as uh, in the written word. But please share with our listeners what is the easiest way to connect with you. Well, it shouldn't surprise anybody, Kimberly, that I do have a LinkedIn account. Yay! And I, I, I maintain that LinkedIn account. You can find it. Um, search under my name, J.D., no initials, capital J, capital D, Gershbein, G-E-R-S-H-B-E-I-N. And that's the best way is personalize your invitation to connect with me. Tell me that you heard me uh, on Kimberly's podcast and uh, you're, my, you're my BFF at that point. So I, I love personalized invitations to connect. It just gets everything off to a great start. That's, I'm a huge advocate of, of people staging touch points on LinkedIn to develop relationships and not just sell a product or service. Uh, and from there, you can find all my other pages online. I'm, I'm out there. If, if people want to find me bad enough, Kimberly, it's, it's easy. Yeah, it is easy. We just have to have a few keystrokes. But well, they can contact you. You'll give them my number. I'd, I'd be delighted. There I would be go. delighted to, to connect you with anybody and everybody. Likewise. Um, so thank you so much. This has been very uplifting and empowering. I appreciate your positivity, uh, your willingness to share your improv and the lessons that we can learn from improv, particularly now where we are in this moment in time. Uh, your LinkedIn expertise, um, the why and wherefores of all of that, so important. I couldn't believe and practice it myself and for my clients. Uh, it's, I, I really feel that if people are not on in a meaningful way, that they are just um, committing professional suicide. Um, because now it's if it, this LinkedIn profiles and accounts uh, are now to what, what having a website was probably 10 years ago. It gives you status in the business world. You cannot maneuver in professional circles without it, no matter what walk of business you're in, no matter what stage of your career you're at. Absolutely. So thank you, Changemakers, um, for listening to us today for another episode of the Changemakers podcast, uh, where we create bold lives and careers. And until next time, I wish for you to be the change that you want to see. Thank you.